It's been nearly a year since COVID-19 made its way to U.S. soil. We will surge. At our peak surge, we may be as high as 6,000 to 8,000 new cases a day. So we're trying to keep that number. We're, we're fending that off as long as possible. And right now, it looks like we have a long way to go, but there are glimmers of hope for our future. We hope that as we get into November and maybe in the early December, we will get an answer as to whether or not one or more of these candidates are safe and effective. I'm cautiously optimistic. These are the stories of COVID-19. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, we are bringing you the impact that COVID-19 has had on our community, from the people that are dealing with the virus directly. I physically couldn't, couldn't even carry on a conversation with somebody. It was too exhausting. To those who have rolled up their sleeve on the front lines to fight this invisible monster, all the way to the local businesses that found themselves thrust into overdrive to support the fight. We definitely uh, feel like we're helping out. These are Cincinnati stories in a world of coronavirus. First up, one thing we can relate to is the stressful times this pandemic has become, and that can lead to a host of other problems. Here's WLWT investigative reporter Todd Dykes. Well, people who grind their teeth in the middle of the night are not uncommon, but left unchecked, which has definitely happened because of the pandemic, all those grinding teeth can cause real trouble. Dr. Shelley Shear is a dentist with an office in Florence. She says COVID-19 related stress is causing more people to grind their teeth more intensely while they're sleeping. The result, a growing number of cases of cracked teeth. Everyone's stressed. They're stressed about their job. They're stressed about getting their kids to school. They're stressed about money and they are grinding and clenching their teeth. Shear says anyone with a cracked or chipped tooth will know something is wrong because they'll feel a dull, aching pain in their mouth that can turn into a sharp pain quickly. It can be even worse for those who have a history of grinding their teeth, especially if they've avoided a dentist because they're worried about getting infected with the coronavirus. Sometimes people, if they've been grinding and clenching for years and then you add on this extra stress, now they've got maybe a fractured tooth that's turned into where they need a root canal or needs to be taken out and they're swollen. Fortunately, there are other remedies besides just a root canal or a pulled tooth. A shear tells me she can fit patients with a bite guard that they can wear while they are sleeping or place a crown on a cracked tooth to help things get back to normal. Todd Dykes, WLWT News 5. It was supposed to be the happiest day of their lives, but a local couple's big day turned into a super spreader event. More than a third of the wedding guests contracted COVID-19. The 23 and 25-year-old met in college at Xavier and have been together for almost five years. They got married in Blue Ash on Halloween. As of recording, it's been 17 days since their wedding. WLWT News 5's Jatera McGee talked with the newlyweds in a story you'll only hear on WLWT. Weddings are definitely scary right now. I mean, I didn't think that almost half of our wedding guests were going to get sick. Happily married a little over two weeks, Michaela and Anthony Bishop have already faced sickness and health and quarantine. They planned a wedding for 200, but due to the pandemic, cut it to 85. 83 showed up. My big moment was honestly like right when the ceremony started and the doors opened um, and both my parents watched me down the aisle. The first thing I see is I see everyone's face. 
everyone all of a sudden is turning to me. And that's when I realized like, wow, nobody's wearing a mask. When I saw everyone is, you know, not wearing masks, I was like, oh, well, we're just going to kind of go with it, I guess. 32 of their 83 guests have tested positive for COVID-19, the newlyweds included. I got the no taste and smell, but that doesn't really put you down or anything. Meanwhile, Michaela says she felt horrible on their honeymoon. They'd driven to a cabin in North Carolina, but had to cut it short. The trip was also interrupted by phone calls about sick family members, including three of their grandparents. They weren't dancing or anything. Yeah, they weren't on the dance floor. They weren't at the bar. They pretty much stayed at their seat and only took it off for food. And all three of them did get sick. Two had to go to the ER. Anthony and Michaela say they feel guilty, even though they took precautions, meticulously working on table placements and providing masks and sanitizer. Spread love, not germs. But the leftovers show few guests use them. And at the reception, I would say that's the turning point is um, after dinner and after cake. DJ starts playing music. Yeah. And before that, everyone was, you know, at their tables. The tables are really spread apart. That's what was like maybe the super spreader is the dance floor. I mean, everyone's in each other's space and there's no mask. Now, the couple has a little bit of advice. Cut the dance floor and ask yourself if you're okay with a smaller wedding. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, citing COVID-19 issues at multiple weddings around the state, has issued an order that bans dancing at ceremonies. Unpredictable. That's the best way to describe the coronavirus. Yes, it is more dangerous for the elderly and people with compromised immune systems, but you just don't know. Recently, it did touch our WLWT family. Reporter Karen Johnson and her longtime boyfriend Rick Prinz are not in the high-risk category, but they had a scare with this virus they'll never forget. Here's WLWT's Cherie Palello. It was probably, it was the scariest thing I've ever been through. Well, right now we are waiting on the governor's office to post the order. For the last eight months, our reporter Karen Johnson has been reporting on the coronavirus. Never did she think it would hit her family. Never did she think it would be the guy she loves in the ICU. We're sitting here on the couch and he looked at me. He said, I know why people give in to this virus and die. I just don't have it in me anymore. I physically couldn't couldn't even carry on a conversation with somebody. It was too exhausting. For almost two weeks, Karen's boyfriend, Rick Prince, the fire chief of Westchester, was battling COVID. It started with a high fever, but things gradually got worse. I couldn't even walk from our bedroom to the couch without being so short of breath. He went to the hospital once, but was sent home. Three days later, Rick was so weak, so scared, they went back. I told Karen, I said, I can understand how people succumb to this because I don't have the energy to move forward. I, I don't have any energy to, to, uh, to keep going. And that was right before he went to the hospital. Yeah. And while he was there, that just played in my head. Minute after minute after minute. <clears throat> Rick was in the ICU for two days. He was put on an IV, pumped with steroids, and treated with convalescent plasma. But because he was a COVID patient, Karen wasn't allowed to visit. So I just looked forward to every time I got a text message from him, a phone call, or a FaceTime, because then I knew that he was alive still. After four long days, Rick was released. Hey, baby. Oh, 
<laughs> He's back home resting with Karen and their fur baby Smokey and can't wait to get back to the firehouse. But this experience has changed them and their opinions about the virus. They're hoping it changes yours too. We took it seriously, but we also said, well, if we get it, we'll get it. We'll yeah. get it. And you know what? It'll just be like the flu, not that big of a deal. You just don't take anything for granted. Uh, you live for the moment every day. Uh, we live uh, to enjoy each other's company every day because you, tomorrow's not a guarantee. I kept thinking the whole time is, you know, this doesn't happen to me. This happens to other people. Like, this isn't a story that I'm, I want to tell. You see things definitely differently. I see this virus definitely differently now that it's affected me personally. Now, we do have some good news to report here. Rick is feeling better. Karen has not tested positive, but has been working from home since Rick's diagnosis. Time to take a quick break from the podcast on the other side, how we fight this virus. Accuracy. It matters in everything you do. Your GPS needs to be accurate. Take a left on third. Your taxes need to be accurate. And your dentist needs to be accurate. You choose accuracy every day. And for an accurate forecast, choose WLWT Weather. It's the only forecast in Cincinnati independently certified most accurate. Nine years in a row and counting. Accuracy does matter. Choose accuracy. Choose WLWT Weather. So the question now is, how do we fight this? The big push is for a vaccine, and one of our own has rolled up his sleeve to help. WLWT News 5's morning anchor Colin Mayfield is one of many in the Moderna trial, which just announced amazing news we've all been waiting to hear. Yes, roughly sitting at day 60 right now, what will be 25 more months. But when I was approached with the chance to be a part of this important work, it's a glimmer of hope in all we've seen this year. And I just couldn't pass it up. I'm very hopeful and optimistic that we're going to find a vaccine. The race to find a vaccine is going at record speed as doctors and researchers at UC Health are in the final stages of the Moderna trials. For the next two years, doctors will monitor me and 600 patients through in-person visits, e-diaries and phone calls. Make sure that we uh, get all of the necessary blood and nasal swabs that need to be done so we can document where people were at the beginning. Well, my first few visits, with the exception of the injection, were all about communication and education. A lot of communication in the first few weeks as we begin and we give the first vaccine. The doctor needed to understand my health background and understand where I was physically once I passed all the necessary tests, though, and signed the waivers and took some blood and a couple of swabs. Understanding the side effects and risks are an important part, but with the vaccine in the final stage, Dr. Fichtenbaum told me the side effects can be compared to what you might expect with the seasonal flu shot. So, my first shot. No sensation, really no pain. Felt like my normal flu vaccine. That uh, wave of the frontline soldiers in our body will then help defend us from the real COVID-19 virus. After waiting 30 minutes to be observed, I went home, not thinking much of it. Nearly two hours later, I lost taste. Panicking, I called UC, who thankfully rushed me in for COVID testing, including a respiratory test to make sure I had not exposed them or anyone else. Thankfully, after quarantining for a few days, my test came back negative. 
Throughout the next seven days, I documented what I felt and how my body reacted, which, to say the least, was pretty uneventful, and I was thankful. The vaccine isn't known to create a loss in taste, but it needed to be documented for other participants in case someone else reported the same thing. The vaccine itself, however, engineered with only very minimal parts of the virus, and it's called mRNA-1273. It's intended to boost the immune system. Very easy for us to generate and make this. And it's also not a whole virus, so we don't run the risk of a virus actually causing disease in people. To gauge effectiveness, each participant received two doses of the study vaccine or placebo, each shot given a month apart. Now that I've had both shots, the rest is heavily on me to monitor and detect any irregularities that the doctor warned me about. Not only do we hope this knocks out coronavirus, but this could change the way future vaccines are engineered. If we can build these kinds of coded vaccines for other diseases and really focus on the important parts of that virus, we may be able to try and get ahead a little bit and create longer lasting immunity. I think it has a chance to be used for other kinds of diseases, other vaccines if we prove that it really works. So, so far, feeling great. Still unsure, though, if I receive the actual vaccine or the placebo. Won't know that information until two years once this is done. I'm Colin Mayfield reporting WWT News 5. In the race for a vaccine, Pfizer also announced their version is doing very well with better than 90% positive results. But there is a challenge with their vaccine. It has to be kept cold, seriously cold. But there is a local Cincinnati business that's hard at work to make sure these vaccines won't go bad. WLWT News 5's Brian Hamrick has their commitment to the cause. Well, a local company here in Evendale is using these metal cabinets and, well, a whole lot of other parts to play a key role in the global distribution of the vaccine against COVID. Not even winter and some of the coldest temperatures on the planet are in Evendale. Minus 91 Celsius. That's colder than 130 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Cold enough to freeze a Coke can solid in less than eight minutes. What's hot is the demand for these super cold freezers. Normally our business is a lot of onesie twosie orders. We're getting orders for 50, 40, 210. Dan Hensler is with Solo Environmental Equipment. It's a family-run business with about 50 employees now taking orders from Lowe's and Rite Aid. They're on the global stage because they're one of a very few making the freezers that can store the most promising COVID vaccine from Pfizer at minus 70 degrees Celsius. That's negative 94 Fahrenheit. No one in the United States right now has capacity. You know, there's a worldwide shortage of uh, freezers. Everyone. This is our insulating foaming area. Dan shows us the process of making these thermometer shivering freezers. From where the metal box is made to the way the components are assembled. This is like a big Legos project. Yeah, exactly. No one could have guessed that the key to a vaccination distribution plan would include super cold freezers, not even those at the family-run business that makes them. You guys got to feel pretty good about being part of this whole solution, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we definitely uh, 
feel like we're helping out. So crews work Saturdays and overtime to keep up with the high demand of these square boxes that are colder than the Arctic Circle. Now, some of these freezers are going to hospitals, others are going to labs, but all of them are tested here for seven days just to make sure there will be no malfunction when they come out of the box. Brian Hemrick, WLWT News 5. Unfortunately, the death toll is rising and quickly in the U.S. Many are dying from COVID-19, but there are other impacts to the isolation of keeping our most vulnerable safe. WLWT News 5's Atlanta Batapaglia reports from Kentucky and has the story of a woman who wants rules changed for nursing homes. This is a very serious problem. And I think it has a very good and real solution. Isolation, loneliness, despair. That's what Rachel Herbstreet says her father felt in the weeks before he passed away. Bill Freeman lived in a Kentucky nursing home since March of 2019. Rachel says he loved it there, but then COVID hit, closing assisted living facilities to visitors. I think I immediately started crying and hugged my dad and said, you know, they're shutting their doors. It'll be temporary. It wasn't temporary at all. Visits were cut down to once a week, separated by plexiglass and limited to 15 minutes. Her father's upbeat attitude began changing. He said to me, I think I'm ready to wheel on out of here. And he had never said that to me before. Bill died of multi-organ failure last month, but Rachel thinks he mostly just gave up. That's why she's now advocating for essential caretakers in Kentucky, allowing special visitors inside nursing homes regularly to help care for their loved ones during this time. Do you feel if this had been implemented in Kentucky before, your dad would still be here? I absolutely do think so. According to the AARP, states like Indiana, New Jersey, South Dakota and Minnesota have already implemented the policy. Those who work with nursing homes and the elderly here in the tri-state have acknowledged the need for close family interaction. A lot of people really, really miss their family, you know, um, and I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but it's 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 painful. Rachel says while trying to limit COVID sicknesses and deaths, it's impossible for nursing homes to tend to each person's needs both emotionally and physically. I could have gone in there every day and made sure that my dad was okay, as other families can do with their family members. Just some of the services essential caregivers have been providing in other states include emotional support, reporting changes in the resident's health condition, and helping promote their quality of life. Rachel did say she gives credit to nursing homes and understands they are abiding by the safety protocols they are told to follow during this time. Finally, we leave you with perhaps the most resilient group during this pandemic, our kids. Many have missed proms, athletic seasons have been shortened or canceled entirely, and many aren't able to see their friends on a regular basis. But as kids do, they adapt. Here's WLWT News 5's Natalie Clark. While learning from home, Sophie Chabri felt lonely and isolated. So the Indian Hill High School student created a program to help others who are feeling the same. When I was away from my peers, I like, I don't know, I felt really different and like really sad. Indian Hill High School junior Sophie Chabri is reflecting on her time during Ohio's stay at home order. So I knew I couldn't be the only one feeling this way. and I'm lucky enough to be back at school this year. And I know some people aren't going back, so I knew I needed to create something for them. 
something for students like Leonardo Lertora. Shabri created Corona Care Callers, where high school students are paired with children who are learning from home. We get to talk and we get to like share ideas. Leonardo is talking about his new friend, Nina Overton. She is a Corona care caller. Just talking with someone who's as amazing as Leonardo every week, it just, it makes me so happy and I really, I love it so much. The program starts with a questionnaire. Then the students are paired. Each week they have a Zoom call and just like that, a budding friendship begins. There's so many good things, I can't pick one. Needless to say, it's been a refreshing change in Leonardo's household. It it gives him that person to talk to, um, and Nina listens to him. An idea that is touching the lives of more than 30 families in Indian Hill while building new friendships along the way. Okay, thanks so much, you guys. Bye. 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 Corona Care Callers is already garnering a lot of attention. Sophie tells me four schools have reached out to implement the program in their district. Natalie Clark, WLWT News 5. Right now, more than 110 Corona Care Callers are taking part at Indian Hill High School with 30 families participating. Learn how to get the program in your school and so much more on our COVID-19 stories. Visit our website, WLWT.com. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening.